Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. This is the Soho Radio Podcast, showcasing some of the best broadcasts from our online radio station, right from the heart of Soho, London. Across our music and culture channels, we have a wide range of shows covering every genre, along with chat shows, discussions and special broadcasts. Here is just one of our recent shows. To catch the full show, head to our Mixcloud page or listen live at SohoRadioLondon.com. Hi, it's Kate Magic and I'm live again today. I love doing live. I haven't done it very many times, but uh, here we are. And my guest today is Dave Core. Dave's coming in in about half an hour, but as usual, we're just going to start with some tunes. And this is new from Native Dancer. This is called Transitions. So that's knowledge. Um, can't keep track. Knowledge puts out like a project every week and they're all awesome. So I can't even tell you <laughs> what one that was, but I got it off the band camp. Um, Dave. Hello, hello, Dave. Hi, Kate. Thank How are you? Thank you so much for coming in. That's all right. No worries. I battled through the rain from South London and uh, made it. It's so good to see you. Likewise. Humans. It's weird being in the <laughs> studio, to be honest. So we were just trying to remember, I think I met you first with Andrew, right? Yes. And then, um, oh yeah, so we were talking about Tiff's Joints. We so were talking about Tiff's Joints. You had an amazing track, which I played loads and loads. Thank you. Um, under your alter ego, Diogi. And bef- Diogi? Yes, Diogi, right? yeah. Before that, I only knew you as a keyboardist, so right. I didn't know that you did anything else. So tell us, Dave, what are the many, many roles that you perform in <laughs> the music scene in London? <laughs> um, We've got like an hour and 15 minutes. If you want to take up all the time, that's great. Um, okay, cool. All right. Well, uh, I'm a keyboard player. Um, I play with my own group, The Expansions, uh, with my pals, Johnny, Matt and James. Um, I have a project called Modified Man with Adam Scrimshire. Um, I do remixes. Um, I write tunes. I run a record label with Adam and Johnny called Albert's Favourites. Uh, yeah, that's kind of it. But <laughs> Uh, and don't you play keys for like a lot of people on tour and stuff? I do, yeah. I've been. I've, it kind of started off a few years ago. It was actually with Adam when I kind of first got into this side of the scene, um, doing his uh, second Scrimshire album, the, the Hollow. And from that point on, things just seem to progress, and you just, you kind of you get to know a few more people, and people ask you to do stuff. And then I ended up with the Gene Dudley Group. On Wawa 45s, we ended up doing some shows with Myron and E on Stone's Throw when they came over to do their European tour. Um, all this time, we were sort of experimenting with expansions and writing some tunes, and we sort of self-released our first EP, only did 100 copies, um, sold out, which was great. 
Uh, and then, yeah, things kind of progressed, I guess, from there. And I'm now playing keys with Andrew Ashong. Um, obviously, when, when we're gigging, um, I also play with a soul singer from Manchester called Giselle Smith. Um, I've been doing some shows with Wulu over the last couple of years, but his sounds progressed a little bit as well, so I haven't been doing those. Um, and yeah, obviously, all the time sort of writing my own stuff, writing with Adam, doing Modified Man, and yeah, trying to, trying to run a little record label. Did you work with Leanne Le Havas or did I get that wrong? I didn't work with Leanne Le Havas. I've done shows with Charlotte Dos Santos. Uh-huh. Um, I've done, uh, who else? Oh, there's a whole I think heap I got those confused because they're similar names. They right? are similar <laughs> names, yeah. No, Charlotte, I, I did one show with Charlotte. Um, but um, I play with Hector Plimmer as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, who else? I'm just trying to think. I should get Hector on the show. You that really would be great. should. Yes, you really should, definitely. Definitely. Yeah. definitely. <laughs> <laughs> But, um, but yeah, so that's that's kind of my role, I guess. Well, let's start there because that's like so many different things. And mm-hmm. this is one of the things, you know, obviously this year my show's been a bit different from, from how it was previously because usually I have guests in and we talk about health and, and creativity sure. and, you know, how really stressful it is to be a musician mm-hmm. and really kind of exploring ways that creative people specifically musicians and DJs can look after themselves or do look after themselves in order to um, make sure they've got the both the physical and the emotional and mental resources to kind of do everything so Mm -hmm. you know you just listed off a whole bunch of things there and one of the things that's interesting to me is that they're all quite different things so you're using really different parts of your brain so it must be hard to go from like being label boss to playing keys on someone else's music to making your own music that's like a lot of different kind of compartments in your brain that is that really hard to go from one to the other it is a lot of things to do but i i actually think that that keeps me really interested in everything um you know just I've always said, like, the reason that I don't like office jobs is because you go into the office and you just do one thing and you do it repeatedly day after day. Mm-hmm. For me, the spice is is having that variety mm-hmm. um, to be able to go from mixing someone else's tunes or going on tour with an artist or sitting down for a meeting with the three of us and having a chat about, you know, planned upcoming releases and things like that. That's what keeps it interesting for me. I think if I was just doing one thing, I'd probably be burnt out by now. But because I choose to do lots of other little bits and pieces. Is it not stressful juggling so many balls? It is quite stressful. It is quite stressful. Um, And I think... I think the last couple of years has really shown me quite how stressful it's been. Um, I've had some health issues, but nothing crazy. Um, But I think it's the last two years I've definitely calmed down. I've definitely tried to relax a little bit um, and just try and keep myself a little more grounded. I think my age is starting to show (laughs) I'm no spring chicken anymore. And uh, I feel like... You know, maybe it is time to just calm it down a little bit, but not too much. I'm still keeping up with everything that I've been doing. Obviously, this past few months has not been quite the same as anything I've experienced in the past or anything we have. But. I actually had a, a panic, a little panic a couple of days ago. I don't tell people my age, but I've got a big birthday coming up and it kind of really hit me that yeah, it's really right. soon. And I was like, oh, my yeah. God, I'm actually like, wow, it's just it does creep up on you, right? It does. <laughs> it, it really does. And I'm I'm starting to appreciate. I think this last few months has, has really let me appreciate 
quite how nice it is to be at home for a little while um, and to not be touring and to not be having to get up at 4am to get on a flight um, you know, and play a show at 10 o'clock at night and you haven't slept and you've just got straight off the plane maybe you've had a time to grab a shower or something but you know, it's, it is a stressful it is a really stressful way of life I want to talk more about that. Have you got um, a favourite role out of all the roles that you do? Like, if you could focus more on one of them, which would it be? Um, I really love playing live. I really love performing live on stage. Um, That's one of my biggest passions. Um, I think if I could do that, but still maintain a good sleep and eating regimen, then I'd be quite happy. But mm-hmm. the chances of doing that when you're on tour are pretty much zero. So, All right, let's talk more about that, but let's play a tune. First of all, what have you got for us first? Okay, well, this is uh, a little something that I put together for Hector Plummer for his new radio show, and I wrote it during lockdown. It's just a little, I don't know, it, it just seemed like the right thing to write at that time. And... Uh, So you made this in your studio at home? I did, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just you, all you? Just me, all me. Awesome. So is that an exclusive, Dave? It is, yeah. Well, it's not out yet, so I thought I'd come and play it. What's it going to be called? It's called Flower Moon. And do you know how you're going to put it out? Is it on... Uh, I'm working on a little uh, little selection of tunes at the moment. Who knows? Uh, it will come out on Albert's favourites, definitely. I think it's about time. But I've done expansions, I've done Modified Man, but everyone else on Albert's, Johnny and Adam, have done solo stuff, and I haven't done oh, any solo stuff. Okay. So, yeah, it's definitely about time. Um, will it be called Dave Core, or have you got it? Will, it will come as D.O.K. It D-O-K. will be as D.O.K., yeah. yeah. Awesome. Let's just plug that as well because that really was one of my favourite tunes. So the Dioki tune was on Tiff's Joints and what was it called? It was called Canby Version. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it was a it was like an edit that I did um that came out yeah, I think we said like two two and a half years ago, something yeah. like that. Yeah. Um and yeah, I met Sean at um, one of Wooly's parties actually, okay. um a few years back. And I played him the tune, or I played the tune somewhere, and I can't remember. And he just, he was straight yeah. away like, I, I'm really into that. Yeah. And um, I wrote a B-side for it as well. And yeah, it came out on TIFFs and, and did really well. Had some, had some nice plays. I think Giles had it as one of his, um, I can't remember what he put it as, but you know, he does those special shows mm. in January or like... Mm. Um, yeah. Worldwide Giles, winners. Yeah, something like that. <laughs> it, was, it was something like that, or like... Almost worldwide winner. <laughs> like, I liked it, but not that much. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, that's good. You give me all these ideas for guests because I should get Sean on as well. He's someone that wears many hats. Right? Definitely, yeah, yeah. Sean does wear a lot of hats. Yeah, yeah. Um, so we were talking about um, touring mm-hmm. and travelling. So tell us a little bit about that. As I said, I used to have all these set questions that I asked my guests back in 2019. Right. Um, and that was one of them is I'm really interested in how it is to the pressure on you to like be performing and be like the highlight of someone's week sure. when you might have had a really stressful day and not had a lot of sleep and been, you know, in strange hotel rooms and stuff like that. So tell us, tell us about the. Yeah, know. I mean, it's it's pretty much relentless um when you're on tour if you've got i think the longest tour i've done was just over two weeks um two weeks continuous and that was for me that was probably about the limit um that i'd be willing to do um 
it's really stressful. Uh, it involves a lot of very early morning flights and a lot of very early morning lobby calls. Um, and also... Because those are the cheap ones, right? So those, they book you on the budget flights. <laughs> those are the cheap ones, yeah, of course. But um, also a lot of late nights that go along with it. And the stress of sort of being up at four o'clock in the morning, say on the first day, flights at seven, you arrive at ten, you have to just do nothing all day or go out and do a little bit of exploring. You don't. You might have to sound check at five, gigs at nine, ten o'clock. By the time you get back to the hotel, it's midnight, maybe one. You've got a four a.m. call again. Mm. Um, and presumably it's hard to fall asleep as well. If you've been on stage, you've got all that adrenaline. You can't oh, just, yeah. like, go to bed. <laughs> no, no, exactly. It's not like you just walk back into the hotel room and say, all right. Have a hot chocolate. Good night. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> no, it takes, you know, an hour to unwind or an hour and a half or something. And the bed might not be that comfortable or the shower might not be where I've turned up at hotels before where the shower's just been like a little dribble mm. coming out of the thing. And all I, all I wanted, I, to be honest, I've kind of learned over the years to survive with sleeping when I can mm -hmm. and then just grabbing a shower to wake me up. Mm -hmm. That was my sort of routine. Um, and I found that I could do that. But then there are just times when that's just not feasible. Um, you know, there's been times when I've turned up at hotels and we've had maybe an hour before we needed to get back out again and get to the sound check. Um, so you've got to choose then. Do you sleep for 50 minutes? I don't know. I, I tend to wake up with a headache if I do that. Mm -hmm. Um so yeah, it's it is stressful. You have to find time to eat. You want you don't want to eat at two o'clock in the morning because you, you're going to go go straight to sleep. You need to have a good breakfast, but then that means you need to be up to get mm. to catch the hotel breakfast. Mm. And sometimes if you're leaving the hotel at four or five o'clock in the morning, you'll miss mm. that anyway. Um, so yeah, it, it can be really draining. It can be really draining. So let's go back to sleep. Are you a fan of the disco nap, the the pre-show nap? Uh, no. No, I don't like the disco nap. I, if I'm not working, then I don't mind. I don't mind a little afternoon siesta. I don't mind that. <laughs> um, <laughs> have to say no, you know. Um, but I feel, I feel like the with the with the halftime siesta, you can get sort of two days working in one day. So I'll wake up at seven. Mm. I'll be working by eight eight thirty. Then sleep from three till four four thirty. Mm. And then from five, I can work back through to 11 o'clock again. Right, right. And so I almost get two days, right. um, two days working in one. But, um, but yeah, things have obviously changed during lockdown. <laughs> um, but, um, but, yeah, no, sleeping before I go on stage, I'm not a massive fan of. So do you just cope with, like, not getting enough sleep? Do you just yeah. struggle through? Yeah, I think uh -huh. you have to. I think just because, you know, n nine times out of ten, You'll have had to have been at a sound check from five till seven, seven thirty, depending on how well the venue's set up, or if the sound engineer's running late, or there's all these different, you know, so many variables, mm -hmm. so many things that can make you delayed or delay what you're doing. Um, one great thing about being out in Europe, which you don't tend to see in the UK at all, is that after sound check, pretty much ninety nine percent of the venues that I've played in in Europe everyone who who is working that night will go and sit down and have a meal together okay. and someone will have prepared a meal okay. and so everyone sound engineers front of house everybody will just sit down and it's a real nice it's a leveler mm. i think you know there's all this i guess there's a lot of uh i don't i've forgotten the word for it now but when you're a performer there's sometimes a lot of hierarchy a lot of hierarchy and yeah i think gigging in europe just 
totally quashes that mm. completely. And that's something that I really like about Europe. Um, unfortunately, in the UK, it's it's rare that you'll even get a glass of water and a Kit Kat. <laughs> um, you know, some some venues will feed you, some won't. But um, but yeah, in Europe, it's it's like the norm to have a meal with everyone. It's it's brilliant. I really yeah, enjoy it. And yeah. then you get to just meet everyone and you chat and you pass yeah. food and. Well, and surely then you give a better performance. Definitely, definitely, and you feel like you're all in it together. Yeah. Like you say, there's no hierarchy. Yeah. There's no hierarchy. We each need each other. Yeah. Like, and that's yeah, that's one thing that I do really like about gigging abroad, especially. Is it is it hard to get good food generally on the road? Yeah, I mean, you know, you're picking up food at. Uh, petrol stations most of the time mm. um, you know sandwiches and snacks and it's not a particularly healthy way of life mm. and if you are then you know you're having to spend that little bit more because buying food at petrol stations is always more expensive mm. I just couldn't do that if I was eating you know just on the run all the time and getting no sleep I'd just be a mess <laughs> <laughs> I think that's why two weeks for me is mm. enough <laughs> like mm. completely because you, it is so draining and at the same time, you're still having to give a, the performance in the mm. evening, which is draining in itself, you know. Mm. Um, so, yeah, it's two weeks is substantial amount of time to be on the road. So you're, you're not missing the touring life this year? Mm, I, I am and I'm not. I am and I'm not. I, I mean, obviously, it's really beautiful going and playing to people um, in different parts of the world. I love that side of it, obviously. And, you know, sometimes you get the opportunity to go out and explore the city that you're in. Sometimes you don't. I mean, I've been to, I don't know, Barcelona a few times and I've never actually seen Barcelona. Um, you know, so that happens. But um, but I'm kind of enjoying not being so tired <laughs> all the time. When when we start getting back into it again, have you thought about ways that you will, like, do things differently? Um I think for the time being, I'm kind of content a little bit more working at, working from home. And I think if I do take on tours, then I'll have to, you know, seriously think about doing it. Um, I'm not saying that it's finished at all because I, I love it. I thrive mm. off it. Mm. But, um, but yeah, right now, I think I'm kind of happier at home. <laughs> Would you like to tour as like the the headline act as like the main artist, or do you like just being the you know supporting in a band? I mean, some of them. As, sorry, as in with my band or with some like with playing with another band? Yeah, or just you, like just as Dave, like oh, just as me. <laughs> <laughs> no way. <laughs> absolutely not no it's always nice going away with friends it's always nice going away with people that you're working with um you know i've i've not been away yet where uh or on a tour yet where people have fallen out Uh and i think that that's really great and i think that that just shows that the people that i've been working with have chosen the right people to come away with them which has been great because it's you know you're in each other's company 24 hours a day but I've not had a single situation where people within the group have fallen out. So that's a really big part of what keeps you sane is being a part of a a team. Yeah, definitely. Right, right, definitely. hundred percent. A hundred percent. And I think as soon as you get someone new into the group, 
it's worthwhile having you know a few gigs before you go away with mm. them to just sort of suss them out a little bit mm. because everyone needs their own space like people need their own space and time i've been away before with some artists who will just go and remove themselves mm. from the group for 24 hours or for 12 hours or just go and explore in a museum or go for a walk in the countryside or and you have to allow for that um you know everyone has their own needs socially and if you just don't want to be around people then the people in the group can't take that personally and mm. I think that that's a really important lesson that I think I've mm. learned from touring because a lot of times I'm talking to I'm realizing I'm talking to DJs and they're mm. on their own mm -hmm. so that must be like a big extra added stress to be doing it all on your own definitely where you, you've got this kind of brothers and sisters to kind of see you through yeah, it that's absolutely. a huge part of absolutely managing it I'm I'm not sure <sighs> I don't know. I, I've never been away on my own before in that capacity. So I don't know how I'd react. Maybe it would be fine. Maybe it wouldn't. <laughs> I really don't know. I think I'd probably be all right. I'm the kind of person who likes to be fairly organized. Um, and I like to know where I need to be and at what time. And as long as I know that, then I think I can, you know, pretty much get through most other things. Awesome. <laughs> Well, yeah, I want to talk more about that, about discipline. Um, you know, the discipline you need as an artist. Mm -hmm. But let's play another tune. What have you got for us next? So next up, sorry, just having a little peek, um, is Two Minute Switch by Hector Plummer featuring the Pie Eye Collective. But this is the Bex Birch remix. Um, Bex and her drummer friend, uh, I forget his name now. Well, that's really bad. Um, did this. Uh, Bex is part of Vuleville. And yeah, stunning remix from them. So is this out? It is out on Albert's Favourites. Ah. Is it on a band camp? It is on a band camp. An Albert's Favourites band camp. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so that's Hector Plimmer out on Albert's favourites, we will get the name of the drummer for you, but that's called Two Minute Switch. Um, so, Dave, so we're talking about, uh, well, we just worked out you have seven creative hats, which is yeah. actually crazy. It's a, it's a lot of hats. <laughs> um, so... Yeah, the amount of self-discipline I think it must take like to have that much focus and intentionality and like be able to juggle all those things. Do you think of yourself as a very self-disciplined person? Yeah, I think I've I've learned to be self-disciplined. I think I went through a period maybe during my early 20s where if you were to speak to some of my friends, they'd probably say that I would turn up to meet them late, which I did do. Um, and then I just realized how unacceptable that was. Um, and from that point on, kind of made sure that I was turning up to things on time and getting work done on time. And yeah, I think I've, I've, I learned the hard way a little bit. I think I learned, I had to wait for my friends to kind of get a bit annoyed at me. Um, but now I feel like I'm kind of there now. I still procrastinate, definitely. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. You must have days where you don't feel like doing it and you've got like this big pile of jobs. Like, how do you get through that? Uh, I still procrastinate and then I, <laughs> and then I work all night. Um, no, I mean, you know, I think everyone does it, don't they? Um, I, I do love to just sit in bed sometimes and watch 
films or just look out the window or listen to music um but yeah if i've if i've got work to do then then no i mean you know i'll, I'll work through it when i can and you know if i need to put late nights in then i have to put late nights in um or, or long days i put in a really long day with mr ashong a couple of weekends ago um we had a socially distanced studio hanging yeah. in my new massively sized studio <laughs> He's the, he's the king time bender. When you're with Andrew, time just stops. It just, it, yeah. Time, you, time takes a back seat. <laughs> I, time is over. You literally lose hours with that days. guy. Days. Days, months. Um, it's incredible. I, uh, everyone that I speak to is like, oh, yeah, I went to Andrew's house. Yeah, we said we were going to do some work. And we just talked for like six Til hours. Till 5 a.m. Yeah, exactly. But um, but no, he is king. He is. He's not a procrastinator though, and I think actually having a, a nice day with him in the studio made me realise quite how much of a genius he actually is. He is. Let's say happy birthday, Andrew, because it was his birthday a week or two ago. Was it? Mm. I did not know that. I did not know that. Oh, you can do a blade. Andrew. I'm sorry. <laughs> I didn't wish you happy birthday. Did I even know? I don't think. No, I didn't even know. Mm. You can do him belated. He doesn't care. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he really doesn't care. Um, so one of my questions as well is the sex, drugs and rock and roll question is that the music industry is notoriously mm -hmm. hedonistic. Do you encounter a lot of the kind of backroom um, lines and, you know, or just alcohol or, you know, groupie situations? And how do you how do you deal with all that? Well, um, I think many years ago, uh, I was definitely more into alcohol than I am now. I'm pretty much teetotal, you know, apart from special occasions that, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll raise a glass then. But other than that, I'm a, I'm a tea and coffee drinker. Um, as far as like the hedonism goes, I think that, I don't know, it seems to be dying out a little bit, or at least in the scene that we're in, um, gigs that I go to now I'm more you're more likely to see smoothies and shakes and bowls of That's fruit with Andrew. well yeah no, that is true that is true uh, there was one uh, I've carried bananas out of a club before because he ordered fruit on his ride when he didn't eat and I've literally walked out of the club with handfuls of bananas I, I had someone call me up about a week before a show that we were doing together we were DJing together um at Bussy Building and uh, the guy running the party called me up like, I've been trying to get in touch with Andrew. Um, I got his rider through. Uh, he, he said that he wanted a whole garlic bulb and a jar of honey. Uh, like, do you think he'll need that for a DJ set? <laughs> I was like, no, that's probably his live. I think that's his live rider. But if you want to get him honey and garlic, I'm sure he'd love it. So. <laughs> I have seen him sing while he plays, while he DJs. Yeah, right. <laughs> But yeah, no, he's um he's definitely he's definitely turned me on to a few more um interesting little bits and pieces. Um, you know, first time he pulled out some cacao nibs and things like that. And, you know, I'm I didn't grow up like that. I've that's never really been my kind of diet or my upbringing. And you know, I'm I got brought up with meat and potatoes. That was that was my family. And so just sort of being around that and being introduced to that, I think definitely has made me feel at least feel a little more healthy but um but yeah no it's interesting to see how he deals with things but yeah like i was saying i think with gigs at the moment and and a lot of the younger players and a lot of the younger crowds yeah. there's less um there's less alcohol around there's definitely less drugs around 
um, and groupies. I don't see any. <laughs> well, because we've had the whole Me Too thing, right? So that whole, I mean, I really want to have someone on to talk about misogyny mm. in the music industry <laughs> and I've asked a few women and people are reluctant to kind of, you know, be the ones that start talking about it. But sure. the music industry has been such a misogynistic place from from my experience of it. Right. And and I think that's, again, really shifting fast. And again, when we're talking about this new generation, they don't have that same kind of imbalance in the male-female no. dynamics. So no, all not... that stuff, I think, is I hope is dying away as well. Definitely. I, th- I think so. Um, if it has occurred... Uh, in the scene that we're in then i've i've not heard anything about it i know obviously you know there's been a lot of talk obviously the last couple of months with black lives matter as well and i know that there's some um people um friends and colleagues who have experienced mm. negative racial attitudes mm. towards them um but misogyny is something that i definitely haven't seen within the industry i'm not saying it doesn't occur because i'm sure it does but um I think, yeah, like you say, with this younger generation, it's less likely to occur, Mm -hmm. definitely. Mm -hmm. I think, again, it's probably more in the DJ culture side of things and the club culture side of things rather than, you know, uh, the way artists are treated. But within DJ culture, it was. (laughs) Yeah, sure. 10, 20 years ago, it was so, like, such a boys' club. Of course, definitely. And I think, yeah, having a much more diverse selection of DJs and people representing... Um, at festivals and at shows and at clubs, mm. I think has definitely helped. I'm not saying it's at it's optimum at all. Um, there is definitely more that can be done. Um, and, you know, us at Albert's as well, we definitely try and get as many, as diverse a group of people as we can get involved um, with the label through remixes or being artists or being featured vocalists or whatever. But, um, but yeah, it's, I, I do feel that, yeah, like this younger generation, definitely, the likelihood of it happening is definitely less so because they're more politically astute yeah. and uh, and really respect what's yeah. going on. And the women and the um, yeah, the people of different colour skin are just more more empowered, more awakened. Definitely. So they're not allowing it. They're not putting up with definitely. it. That's a big part of it, right? Exactly, exactly. No, 100%. I think it's... Like I'm, everything that happened with Radar. Yes, exactly, exactly. They I mean, that like, was... nah, this, <laughs> this is not right. They shut the station mm-hmm. down. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was a shock at the time, but completely understandable. Mm. Completely understandable. Mm-hmm. That that had to stop. That had to stop, and it was right that it mm-hmm. did. So yeah, no, it, it's great that people are speaking out about it. It needs to be spoken about, yeah. um, and just and it will help uh, build a a more tight community mm. by doing so mm. and by just having real people around mm. and just, yeah. Well, when we diminish other people, we all lose out, right? If Definitely. You're, if you're putting certain people in the corner and saying their opinion or their perspective is less important, the whole, everyone's losing out. Exactly, exactly. So, no, I, I completely agree. I completely agree. I think it's... Let's play another tune. What have we got next? Uh, next up is a new one from Mr. Scrimshire uh, on... Uh, Albert's favourites. Um, there'll be a theme running through these. Um, yeah, this is a track called Anadwo. It's featuring an artist called KOG. Um, and yeah, it's out now. So he is the label boss alongside you. He is. And Johnny Drop, Mr. Johnny. And he produces his own and stuff as well. And he produces his own stuff and as well. And is he part of Modified Man as well? He is part of Modified Man as well. There you go. I'm all starting to get together. it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
So tell us again, what was that called? That was uh, called Anadwo, and it's by Scrimshire featuring KOG. Mm. Um, so we talked about sleep, we talked about food, mm-hmm. we talked about travel. Uh, let's talk about exercise. Do you do much exercise in order to stay healthy? I, over the last couple of years, have actually tried to increase the amount of exercise I've been doing. I know that I probably wasn't doing enough. Um, and I always thought that my daily regime was probably enough exercise for for what I needed, but I've actually found that um, it wasn't, um, and that there are certain things that I crave, like uh, like going swimming. Mm-hmm. I started going swimming again a couple of years ago, and I've missed it the last six months, if I'm honest. Um, I really, I really have. Uh, but yeah, I just started going to my local pool. Just mornings, six thirty in the morning. Wow! Um, get in there, nice and early, hanging out with the bl- with the blue rinse crowd. <laughs> <laughs> um, but they're great. Yeah, That's I mean, me. yeah. <laughs> no, not at all, <laughs> not at all. But um, no, it's it's really. I've found that really therapeutic is just being in water, um, and just the feeling of floating. I think. I mean, sometimes I don't even necessarily go to swim. Sometimes mm. I will just float um just because i find it so relaxing Mm. and i think that that's definitely helped me to calm down i had a couple of friends saying oh you know you should get like some waterproof headphones or something you can listen to music while you're swimming and i actually realized that the reason i wanted to do it was almost to get away for a little bit i think you know when you're working so hard within a certain industry and when you're self-employed especially work never ends yeah um you know, you didn't, you never get to the point of the day where you're like, okay, uh, I'm not going to answer to any more emails or I'm going to turn my computer off or, yeah. you know, you'll happily work till two, three o'clock in the morning yeah. or respond to people at that sort of time. And I think the last few years I've kind of realised that actually where I thought I didn't like a routine, I actually mm-hmm. kind of appreciate mm-hmm. it now. Um, so, yeah, I started going swimming early morning um, or getting up and going for a nice long walk early morning. Um find that I, that clears my head out and then I can sort of get home, mm. turn the computer on and start work. So how many, what's a typical like uh, routine? How many laps do you like to do? <laughs> I actually started doing almost more like stamina training rather than trying to do a certain uh-huh. number of laps. So I try and do two laps as quickly as possible ah. and then take a break yeah. and then two more laps and then take a break right. and then two more laps and take a break. Um rather than just sort of continuous swimming, which I, again, still sometimes do. I don't have like a, a routine yeah. that, I, that I do every morning or something. But yeah, that's just how I kind of approached it. Um, as far as a walk goes, um, I've been known to do 10, 11K in a morning. Which you know, is how long? Two and a half hours, two okay, and a quarter, two and a half hours, um, something like that. Um, but if you get out early morning, and especially when the weather's nice, um, if you get out early morning, you know, you can kind of fit that in even take a co- take a coffee with you on the way if you fancy it um and yeah it just i feel like it's it's funny I, I was watching a few videos during lockdown of kind of how to i guess how to work from home more productively and one of the things that i that came up was someone saying that they enjoyed going for a walk in the morning and they said that the reason that they felt they enjoyed it was because they feel like they're making a journey to a workplace mm. even though they're working from home it just gets you in that mindset. Mm. 
you think differently when you're out walking. You might not be, you know, I try and keep my phone in my pocket the whole time and I'm not walking along scrolling through Twitter or Instagram or anything. It is literally a time for me to be away from that world and then get back and, and sort of launch straight into it. So I think that's definitely helped. And having a, a good eating regime as well. Um, that's something that I've really tried to do over the last couple of years as well. So, you know, breakfast before I go out, lunch at one, dinner at seven, and then making sure I have a good few hours to digest uh, before I go to bed. Um, that's something that I think when you're a touring musician or a late night DJ, it can really, it can mess you up. You know, you, you might have to, I live in South London. If I'm DJing in East London at nine, I need to leave mine at seven got no time to eat dinner necessarily before that start at nine maybe you don't finish till one o'clock two o'clock in the morning you're hungry again by that point that time of night you're not going to go home and start cooking you'll end up picking something up on the way home and it'll be bad for you and especially so, if you're in Peckham or yeah exactly <laughs> not a lot of healthy options I mean, but there's not there's not really anything in London late night as a healthy option no one time my friend took me to the bar at the old Vic, like right. it's got a name. I don't know if you remember it, but there's a at the old Vic. There's a bar in Waterloo. Open. The old Vic. Yeah, yeah. And they had green juice at the bar. <laughs> no got way. Green juice at like two o'clock in the morning. That's amazing. Yeah, that's the only time. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, everywhere late night these days, there's uh, you're not going to find anything healthy, or not particularly healthy at that time of the morning, mm. unless you go into a kebab place and just order a salad. Mm. Um, you know, that's I wouldn't even say that's healthy. Well, no, it's, it's like <laughs> genetically modified lettuce. Yeah, right. <laughs> but um, but no, I mean, you know, that's that's literally the only option, isn't it? So, just so, cooking at home and having a uh, a time to eat, and obviously, working from home at the moment has allowed me to do that. So, yeah. So, when you're walking, what are your have you got favourite spots around London that you like to walk? I tend to just walk in the local area. I mean, the last six months or so, I've actually discovered so much in my local area. There's areas of woodland that I had no idea existed in South London. Um, and I've been out in the woods a little bit. There's lakes nearby, so I go and sit by the lake wow. or something. Um, it's You know, there's a lot of greenery just that little bit further out of London. Mm. Come to Croydon. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's been a universal theme this year, right? As people rediscovering nature and the mm -hmm. connection to nature and the parks in London have probably saved a lot of people's lives, Definitely, right? definitely. I mean, one of my favourite parks in London that I have been to a few times through lockdown has been Battersea Park. I love mm. Battersea Park. There's just so much to see. Um, I had a picnic by the pagoda um, or you can go and sit by the fountains which are currently up and running or you know there's there's so much to do and there's so much space um you know the tropical gardens there as well and you can just walk around and yeah Battersea Park I think has definitely seen a lot of custom from me over the last few months we're so spoiled because I'm right by Hyde Park I tend to go to Hyde Park most of the time but even walking in Hyde Park like probably three times a week on average i still yeah. like discover little bits it's like oh i haven't walked over there yeah exactly <laughs> no i mean we we find bits in battersea park all the time <laughs> i had no idea that there was like this whole um kind of uh i don't know i don't know even what they call it or what you would call it but it's all like a series of ropes and um 
and platforms yeah like a jungle gym yeah exactly <laughs> like that you can sort of walk on and you have to hook yourself on because it's really high up like it's super <laughs> did you do high. it did no, you do it no didn't go anywhere near it didn't go anywhere near it um but yeah it's really high up and yeah and then there's bits where you have to sort of slide down the thing and like oh it's yeah that's 2021 you'll be like daily on the jungle gym yeah, exactly. back to see. <laughs> They won't be able to get rid of me. <laughs> I'll be there every day. But no, it's... Uh... See, if they need a resident DJ, you could be like... Oh, crikey. <laughs> I'm not sure. I think the less distractions, the better while you're up there. I know you're hooked on, like, through um, to a safety wire and stuff. You could but... play some nice, like, meditative beats, like, to get them in the zone. <laughs> I think that's... I, th- I really do think this is the future. Like, um... I've been teaching yoga classes mm-hmm. sometimes late at night, like around 10, 11 o'clock. Mm-hmm. As I said, I've been doing lots of cacao ceremonies. And I think there's so many ways that we can create fun things to do that don't have to revolve around alcohol and things sure. that are damaging to us. And I'd be up for doing some climbing in in the yeah, park yeah, to some yeah. nice music. and That sounds really fun to me. That does actually sound <laughs> quite good fun. From both angles as well. I wouldn't mind doing the climb. Although I'm maybe not climbing. I tried riding a bike the other day as well. I saw that on your Instagram. Yeah, it didn't go so well. I can't do corners. Okay. It's <laughs> just probably practice. I should, it is probably just also, practice. Also, I did, I don't know if I left a comment, but I did notice you were on a Santander bike and they are like the hardest bikes to ride. Someone, yeah, I've had a few people say that, that they're really heavy and really clumsy. And I mean, I haven't ridden since I, I've never owned a bike of my own and I hadn't ridden in probably 25 years um i i was just in I, we were in hyde park and it gave me the biggest amount of fear so london riders i rate you oh, you like, should have come fully. and seen me <laughs> you should have come and visited me i didn't realize that you were so close i thought you were a little yeah. bit further out um, i'm right by selfridges because ah, okay see. right yeah 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 there's my bike out there trusty steed uh, over there i'm nice. such a huge fan of cycling i love it so much yeah nice it's it, Apart from the fear <laughs> that, I, that I experienced, I really enjoyed it. It was nice. To, it was kind of a strange sensation to have the wind on my face like that. It was, but no, I, we're going to do it again. We're going to do it again. I think there's something really powerful about getting somewhere under your own steam. Mm-hmm. Like it's took your energy to get you there. Definitely. And there's also some weird thing that happens, which I guess probably happens with cars as well, but I don't drive. But it's like you and the bike become one. Yeah, and you're not right. even thinking about what you're doing. But suddenly you're just moving along and your conscious mind isn't doing sure. anything, but you're just moving. <laughs> yeah, right. No, it's, it's I, I, yeah, I enjoyed it. And I think just a few more times and I reckon I'd be all right. But I think, like you said, it's probably not the best idea to use yeah. a Santander bike. Come to Hyde Park and have a practice and I'll give you some cycle lessons. Amazing. <laughs> What should you play next? Um, okay, so next up is Tresillian Bay, which is a new track by Hugh Mark Bennett. Um, again, out on Albert's Favourites. Uh, album is out on September the 18th. Um, this is the second single uh, in the run-up to the release. So I don't know, Hugh Mark Bennett, do you want to tell us something about him? Yeah, Hugh kind of, we it came to our attention um, one of his projects that he had that came out on Soundway Records called Suso uh, a couple of years back and we were really into that um, as a as a label um, all of us sort of independently bought the album and really enjoyed it and then Hugh moved on to a project called Minyanta which I ended up playing keyboards for 
uh, last year, which is why I missed We Out Here Festival. And now he's got a solo project which um, includes some amazing musicians, uh, Jake Long, Cassie Kenoshi's on it, uh, Miriam Solomon, um, and a whole a whole heap of other people. So yeah, this is the new one from you. So he's a London-based... He is, yeah. Originally from Wales, though. Okay. So Hugh Mark Bennett. Yes, indeed. And that's out in September. The album's out in September. That single is out now. Um, there'll be another single next week called In My Craft with Miriam Solomon, um, which is stunning, like absolutely beautiful track. But yeah, the whole album will be out on September the 18th. So we've got about 20 minutes of the show left. We probably need the whole 20 minutes for you to go over all the projects that you're involved <laughs> with and everything you need to plug. But we'll plug that again in a minute. For but sure. it's Albert's Favourites, right, on yes. the Bandcamp? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Albert'sFavourites.bandcamp.com. Uh, we've got a Facebook page at Albert's Favourites, Instagram at Albert's Favourites, Twitter at Albert's Favourites. Um, yeah, if you just type that in, you'll find us definitely. Who's Albert? Albert was Adam's granddad. Aww. Yeah, Albert was Adam's granddad and he was a music lover. And yeah, um, Adam had always sort of wanted to kind of honour that. Um, so yeah, called it Albert's favourites as a result. Sweet. So yeah. he's one of your spirit guides looking out after the over the label, Definitely. making sure everything runs smoothly. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. With his, uh, with his musical wisdom yeah, guiding yeah. us all. Which actually brings me perfectly to my last question, which is about spirituality. Right. So uh, I myself, I'm a really spiritual person. I really have a strong sense of a force beyond myself working through my life and guiding me and protecting me and mm-hmm. kind of making sure things come into alignment. Do you... Do you have a sense of spirituality do you do you witness kind of synchronicities and serendipities in your life and feel like there's a kind of mysterious nature beyond (laughs) what we're experiencing in the 3d i'm if there is then i don't think i've necessarily experienced it i've definitely felt times where music has maybe take given I wouldn't say necessarily like an out-of-body experience, but it definitely affects me on an emotional level. Um, whether or not that you could class that as spirituality is... I, I'm I'm not too sure. I'm, I'm not an expert on it. But definitely I find that music definitely evokes different emotions in me, and that doesn't necessarily have to be based on lyrical content or, or anything. Um, I, I really appreciate and I love... Um, non-vocal music um it's completely instrumental music and orchestral music which actually i've been writing a lot of recently okay. um and that hat number nine that's hat number nine <laughs> sorry yeah we keep adding more hats yeah yeah we do yeah that is hat number nine <laughs> so would you agree with the 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 saying music is the healing force of the universe definitely I, I, absolutely yeah i don't think a truer statement has ever been mm. has ever been said mm. um i definitely think that music can it can bring people together i mean you know right from when i was sort of growing up when i was 16 17 years old and sort of started going to my first clubs one of the first clubs i went to was turnmills um long time ago for the heavenly social nights that they used to run there um and yeah i remember 
having some absolutely incredible nights listening to people like Chemical Brothers and John Carter and mm. like some of the kind of slightly older acidy housey big uh-huh. beat kind uh-huh. of names yeah that that's was... coming off the end of Balearic right yes yeah 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 exactly exactly um you know I was 16 17 at that time I'd kind of grown up listening to my indie music and then kind of discovered dance music as a as a thing and that's kind of where my love of dance music I mean I've, I've played piano for years um I've enjoyed playing jazzy stuff I wouldn't necessarily call myself a jazz pianist but I've, I play piano and I enjoy playing jazzy kind of styles but um that was sort of the first time I'd really experienced dance music and started going out at the age of 16 and I definitely had some experiences there where where music just lifted me to a place that nothing else has been able to do um you know soon after I started going to some of the drum and bass events and stuff and that was kind of you know, towards the end of the 90s, early 2000s, and definitely, again, had some experiences there. Did you go to Blue Note? Um, I went to Blue Note a few times. I went for Metalheads a few times. Um, after that, I kind of... I kind of tr- I tried to avoid the bigger raves. Um, that was never really something that I enjoyed. <clears throat> but um, some good friends used to put on a night at Golden Square, um, at an old, like a little internet cafe. It was a guy called Kazra who runs Critical <laughs> Records. He used to put on a night there and you'd have people like Breakage when Breakage was doing um, like more drum and bass stuff and cut up aim and bits and Chris in Perspective, Chris was always down there and then we'd go to like Herbal and see Paradox or mm-hmm. Loxy or Bailey or Flight or, you know, a lot of the Metalheads style mm-hmm. music which you weren't getting in the bigger clubs mm-hmm. at the time. Um, you know, Wednesday night uh, at Velvet Rooms, for Fabio's night, um, for Swerve, which then moved to the end. All these places have closed mm-hmm. down now as well. But no, definitely, I mean, they gave me some of my most amazing musical experiences. Mm-hmm. At, you know, two o'clock in a really dark club, listening to something really dark and really heavy. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's so much musicality in that in the German bass, wasn't there? Oh, a hundred percent. I mean, I think it lost it. I think it lost it kind of around 2005, 2006, um, where things started to become very formulaic. Mm-hmm. But there was still that undercurrent of, of, I guess, kind of more jungle-based drum and bass, mm-hmm. very chopped up, very more in the metalhead style or early 31 records or people like Total Science doing stuff, whereas you kind of had the the, the larger side of the scene, which was... I don't know, people like Andy C or Pendulum or Bad Company or people like that who were doing the more kind of, uh, I guess, the two-steppy mm-hmm. sort of drum and bass. Um, but no, there was... There the Avenet, the Avenet sort of Yeah, 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 exactly, <laughs> with loads of MCs and stuff like that. And I, again, like, for me, it was all about the music that, that was speaking to me and going to some of these events where if they did have an MC, it wasn't an MC in what people see as the drum and bass MC. It was a host, like he, the person would host, he or she, or would they would be singers or there would be, you know, something to add to the musicality of it rather than try and detract from it. And I think that's what I took from that. And what about when you're writing music or when you're playing? Do you have a sense of it coming through you? Or like, do you have a sense of somehow it, yeah, like a, a higher force working through you? Um where do you think it comes from when you're writing music or when you're playing, improvising? Like, where where does it come from? When I'm improvising, definitely, I feel like... It, it, well, it's funny you should mention that. A, a few years ago, we did a Touching Bass event 
um, up at Brilliant Corners. Um, and for me, I think musically, that was probably one of the highlights that I've had. Um, and it was put together by Alex and Errol. And, um, and yeah, it was a completely improvised show. Uh, it was myself playing bass on synth. Um, Wayne Anansi oh, from Steam Down. Was you, I there? I think you... I don't know that you were. I went to one where... Um, anyway, carry on. <laughs> but, but yeah, um, Nubaya Garcia and Yusef Days. Um, and it was just... For me, it, you know, we improvised a set. It was an hour and 15 minutes long. And it's probably one of the most excited moments I've had musically. Um, but yeah, improvising... Uh, and the whole basis that's of a that. mega group yeah <laughs> it was really good it was really good does um, anyone record it yes <laughs> have you got it yes <laughs> you're gonna put it out no it's not mine to put out um I, yeah there is a recording of it there is a recording of it um yeah i mean that that kind of that was the first time I'd sort of been involved with something like that. And I think that gave me definitely a renewed energy and a renewed passion for what I was doing. Um, I, you know, fully appreciate, oh, and Shirley Tete on guitar as well. Um, and uh, I fully appreciated like every single member of that group. Some of them I, I'd literally met during soundcheck. I didn't know them before that. And um, yeah, that was they're all so talented and so young and I was really honoured to even have been invited to play in a group like that and just their musicality and their level of knowledge to the craft just blew, it absolutely blew my mind and I you know that was a good few years ago I think that was 2016 maybe 2017 and it's been really great to see all of them individually um grow and and get more recognition because each of them have gone on to do some you know some really great things so you're saying you had that kind of transcendental experience when you were playing with mm -hmm. them. and i feel like that was probably one of the first times it had happened and it came out of something that was pure improvisation mm. you know no one was calling tunes out no one had any idea of what was going to happen wow. at the start of the night and by the end of it we'd you know somehow crafted together a, an hour and 15 minutes mm. of of a set that you know listening back to it was I've listened a couple of times and yeah, it's, I'm still, <laughs> I'm still blown away by it. Um, yeah, it was, that was an incredible experience. There's a Chicago jazz artist called Angel someone, Angel right. Bat Do you know Oh her? yeah, 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 yeah. And I heard her being interviewed by Jazz, and she said to her, if you're not, if, well, she's talking about jazz, but she's saying if you're not improvising it, if you're not making it up as you go along, it's not music. Right. Jazz. She's like that. That is true. That yeah, is true. yeah, yeah. That is true. Jazz is just coming through you right then and there. You don't know where it's coming from, where it's going. For sure. I mean, well, at the at the start of the evening, there was actually a kind of a conversation that happened that was hosted by Errol, and um, you know, he asked how improvisation works and what it does to the brain, and he'd done some research, and basically, mm -hmm. what he was, what he'd found was that during improvisation, your brain will latch onto all of the rules that you've learned. Mm -hmm. Um, while you've been learning and then systematically forget them all. Wow. And what actually happens in your brain is that you forget everything that you've wow. learned when you improvise and you kind of, I guess at that point, it becomes mm. transcendental and it becomes something that the music will guide you by. Mm. And I think, yeah, that's that would definitely count as the spiritual side of music, Amazing. definitely. And that's kind of how Andrew works as well, right? Definitely, definitely. Andrew... 
He's got, you know, I think he works a lot with the hypnotic nature of music. Repetition can be really hypnotic. Um, and Andrew's very much uh, the kind of artist who will, um, who will uh, like design the gig depending on the venue mm. and depending on what kind of crowd it is going to be and depending on what time of day the performance is going to happen. And he'll try and craft it in a way that is suitable for that time. And it might be the same songs, but they'll be done in a different way. Mm. Um, and I think that's... Again, that's what keeps Andrew's so, shows so fresh and so interesting is because there is that level, I guess, of improvisation there as well. Mm. Even though you know what the chords are, you don't know exactly how you're going to play them. Well, and he said as well he never has set lists. That really annoys people because he doesn't like doing set lists. Oh, yeah. No, 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 no. That, like, we're just kind of sat there waiting to hear the, his first chord. <laughs> and, then, and then when as soon as he's away, then we're like, oh, okay, it's that one. Right, okay, cool. Well, there's been times where he'll have started something off, but he'll be playing the chords in a way that you've never heard them before and you'll just look at him like is it that one what song is this Andrew <laughs> okay we've got time for one more track what do you want to play for us great so this is myself and Adam this is a slightly older tune uh, it came off our modification set to uh, this is a track called Prince on the Heath and it was made as a tribute to not as a tribute it just happened to come out on the day that Prince passed or it oh. happened to we were in the studio on the day the prince passed and this is what what happened and you said something about a rainbow yeah there was a rainbow outside and yeah this tune just but you didn't know out. that no we, we found out later on we found out later on beautiful so is this is this out is this released it is yeah and is it on albert's it's favorites? on albert's favorites <laughs> We're running out of time. Oh no. The clock is against us. Typical. So, Dave. Yes. Tell us about your nine hats. My nine hats. Um, pian- Number one. Pianist. Keyboardist. So, where can people find your. your- uh, with the expansions, with Modified Man, um, with Hector Plummer Live shows coming up. Uh, and yeah, that's currently kind of about it. Um, DJ, uh, Ballamy Radio do a show on there is that monthly that is monthly first uh first thursday of the month with albert's favorites that's our label show um uh, label boss boss kind (laughs) of three-way three-way thing adam scrimshaw johnny drop big up um and that's all on bandcamp that's all on bandcamp and spotify and you know wherever you want to find it it's there do you do a lot of vinyl as well we do a lot of vinyl um a lot of the vinyl at the moment is sold out on bandcamp but still available in shops in and around the uk and worldwide Um, what else is there? So we didn't talk about teaching. I we wanted to talk about teaching. Yeah, we didn't talk about teaching. Uh, I, I teach some teacher. piano. Yeah, I teach some <laughs> piano, and I've done. I was like a teacher, teacher teaching like A level music and that sort of stuff. But we can do, we can do that another time. <laughs> I know we we're running out of time. What else? What else? Um, DJ and uh, stuff. Other things. Loads okay, of other so things. So where's the number one place people should go and find you? Definitely Albert's favourites uh, website. Instagram, Twitter, or you can find me at Dave Core uh, on Instagram and on Twitter and Dioki on Facebook. Dave, thank you so much for coming thank in. Thank you so, so much, much for having me. Thanks, Kate. We're going to go out with the phenomenal hand clap band. And this is Skyline. Uh, back, in, back in two weeks. I don't know who I've got. Thank you for listening. Check me out on katemagic.com or rawliving.eu.